are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and I'm reading and commenting on this four-volume mystical revelation of the life of Jesus and Mary received by Venerable Maria of Agreda back in the 1600s. Today, we continue our reading from Chapter 7 of Book 1, Volume 1. We begin with paragraph 86, where we left off yesterday, and we'll conclude the chapter at paragraph 93. Hence arose his disobedience, presumption, injustice, infidelity, blasphemy, and perhaps also a certain kind of idolatry, for he coveted for himself the adoration and reverence due to God. He blasphemed the divine magnificence and holiness. He failed in the trust and loyalty due to him. He plotted to destroy all the creatures and presumed to be able to do all this and much more by his own power. Thus, his pride ascends continually. Psalm 73, 23. And perseveres, though his arrogance is greater than his strength. For in this he cannot increase. Isaiah 16, 6. And in sin, one abyss calls the other. Psalm 14.8 The first angel who sinned was Lucifer, as is described in the 14th chapter of Isaiah. He induced others to follow him, and therefore he is called the prince of the demons, not on account of his natural gifts for these would not secure to him that title, but on account of his guilt. Those that sinned were not all of one order or hierarchy, but among all hierarchies, there were many who sinned. It is proper that I also explain what was made known to me concerning the kind of honor and excellence which Lucifer aspired to and envied. As in the works of God, there is measure, number, and weight. Wisdom 11.21 His providence decided to show to the angels immediately after their creation, and before they could incline to diverse ends, the purpose for which he had created them with such an exalted and perfect nature? Of all this, I obtained the following information. At first, they received a more explicit intelligence of the being of God, one in substance, trine in person, and that they were commanded to adore and reverence him as their creator and highest Lord, infinite in his essence and attributes. All subjected themselves to this command and obeyed it. But with a certain difference, the good angels obeyed, through love, an account of the justice of it, offering their love and goodwill freely, admitting and believing what was above their intelligence and obeying with joy. Lucifer, on the other hand, submitted himself because the opposite seemed to him impossible. He did not do it with perfect charity, for he, as it were, was divided in his will between himself and the infallible truth of the Lord. In consequence, it happened that the precept appeared to him in a measure difficult and violent, and his fulfilling of it was wanting in love and in the desire to do justice. Thus he exposed himself beforehand to the danger of not persevering. Although grace did not leave him on account of this remissness and slowness in the accomplishment of the first acts, nevertheless his bad dispositions began with them, for there remained with him a certain weakness and laxity of virtue and spirit, and the perfection of his nature did not shine forth as it should. It appears to me that the effect of this reminiscence in Lucifer is similar to that which is caused in the soul by a deliberate venial sin. I do not say that he sinned mortally, nor even venially at that time, since he fulfilled the precept of God. 
But this fulfillment was remiss and imperfect, springing more from a sense of overwhelming compulsion than from a loving willingness to obey. Thus, he put himself in danger of falling. In the second place, the angels were informed that God was to create a human nature, and reasoning creatures lower themselves in order that they too should love, fear, and reverence God as their author and eternal good. They were informed that these were to stand in high favor, and that the second person of the Blessed Trinity was to become incarnate and assume their nature, raising it to the hypostatic union and to the divine personality, that therefore they were to acknowledge him as their head, not only as God, but as God and man, adoring him and reverencing him as God-man. Moreover, these same angels were to be his inferiors in dignity and grace, and were to be his servants. God gave them an intelligence of the propriety and equity of the justice and reasonableness of such a position. For the acceptation of the merits of foreseen of this man-god was exhibited to them as the source of the grace which they now possessed, and of the glory which they were to obtain. They understood also that they themselves had been and all the rest of the creatures should be created for his glory, and that he was to be their head. All those that were capable of knowing and enjoying God were to be the people of the Son of God, to know and reverence him as their chief. These commands were at once given to the angels. To this command, all the obedient and holy angels submitted themselves and gave their full assent and acknowledgement with an humble and loving subjection of the will. But Lucifer, full of envy and pride, resisted and induced his followers to resist likewise, as they in reality did, preferring to follow him and disobey the divine command. This wicked prince persuaded them that he would be their chief and that he would set up a government independent and separate from Christ. So great was the blindness which envy and pride could cause in an angel, and so pernicious was the infection that the contagion of sin spread among innumerable other angels. Then happened the great battle in heaven which St. John describes in Revelation 12, also known as the Apocalypse. For the obedient and holy angels filled with an ardent desire of hastening the glory of the Most High and the honor of the Incarnate Word, asked permission, and as it were, the consent of God to resist and contradict the dragon, and the permission was granted. But also another mystery was concealed in all of this, when it was revealed to the angels that they would have to obey the Incarnate Word, another, a third precept, was given them. Namely, that they were to admit as a superior conjointly with him a woman in whose womb the only begotten of the Father was to assume flesh, and that of this woman was to be the queen and mistress of all the creatures. The good angels, by obeying this command of the Lord, with still increasing and more alert humility, freely subjected themselves, praising the power and the mysteries of the Most High. Lucifer, however, and his confederates rose to a higher pitch of pride and boastful insolence. In disorderly fury he aspired to be himself, the head of the human race and of the angelic orders, and if there was to be a hypostatic union, he demanded that it be consummated in him. The decree constituting him inferior to the mother of the incarnate word, our mistress, he opposed with the horrible blasphemies. Turning against the author of these great wonders and unbridled indignation, and calling upon the other angels, he exhorted them, saying, Unjust are these commands, and injury is done to my greatness. 
This human nature which thou, Lord, lookest upon with so much love, and which thou favorest so highly, I will persecute and destroy. To this end I will direct all my power and all my aspirations. And this woman, mother of the word, I will hurl from her the position in which thou hast proposed to place her. And at my hands the plan which thou settest up shall come to naught. This proud boast so aroused the indignation of the Lord, that in order to humble it, he spoke to Lucifer, This woman, whom thou refusest to honor, shall crush thy head, and by her shalt thou be vanquished and annihilated. Genesis 3.15 And if, through thy pride, death enters into the world, wisdom 2.24, life and salvation of mortals shall enter through the humility of this woman. Those that are of the nature and likeness of that man and woman shall enjoy the gifts and the crowns which thou and thy followers have lost. To all this the dragon, filled with indignation against whatever he understood of the divine will and decrees, answered only with pride. And by threatening destruction to the whole human race, the good angel saw the just indignation of the Most High against Lucifer and his apostates, and they combated with them the armors of the understanding, reason, and truth. The Almighty at this conjuncture worked another wonderful mystery. Having given to all the angels a sufficiently clear intelligence of the great mystery of the hypostatic union, he showed them the image of the Most Holy Virgin by means of an imaginary vision. I speak here according to our way of understanding such things. They were shown the perfection of human nature and the revelation of an image representing a most perfect woman, in whom the Almighty Arm of the Most High would work more wonderfully than in all the rest of the creatures. For therein he was to deposit the graces and gifts of his right hand in a higher and more eminent manner. This sign or vision of the Queen of Heaven and of the Mother of the Incarnate Word was made known and manifest to all the angels, good and bad. The good ones, at the sign of it, broke forth in admiration and in canticles of praise, and from that time on began to defend the honor of God incarnate and of his Holy Mother, being armed with ardent zeal and with the invincible shield of that vision. The dragon and his allies, on the contrary, conceived implacable hatred and fury against Christ and his most holy mother. Then happened all that which is described in the twelfth chapter of the Apocalypse, which I will explain as far as it has been given me in the following chapter. This concludes our reading today from The Mystical City of God, Volume 1, Book 1, Chapter 7, Paragraphs 86 to 93. It might be worth, in your own spiritual reading today, to go and find Isaiah chapter 14 and to read it because it's about the restoration of Israel. And so it's about the downfall of the king of Babylon. It's also then about God's plan for Assyria. So we see how evil has pervaded in the life of Israel. And so now, kind of Maria of Agreda inserting Isaiah 14 into this is kind of indicating to us, you know, just how evil has manifested itself and how Lucifer led to the downfall of certain kingdoms in the life of Israel. Now, we see here again that reference to Revelation 12. And we're going to see that play out tomorrow because that's the next reading about Revelation 12 and Maria of Agreda really interpreting it for us, but that Revelation 12 is that great spiritual battle, the dragon in the sky and the woman clothed with the sun who is wailing in labor pains 
and so forth. And that's the battle between good and evil. And here we have brought up again Genesis 3, 15 and 16, that God will put enmity between the serpent and the woman and her heel will crush the evil. And at the very end of today's reading, quite beautifully, she says, The dragon and his allies, on the contrary, conceived implacable hatred and fury against Christ and his most holy mother. Well, why is it that the devil fears Mary and fears Jesus? Well, it's because what Jesus did, think about his public ministry. He goes about, he heals, but what else does he do? He casts out evil spirits. He casts out demons. He has authority over the evil. And so in our own life, we say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be gone, you evil serpent. And that's how we dispel evil. And why is it then that the devil fears the Blessed Virgin Mary? Because Mary gives us Jesus. She mediated this grace of salvation to us by the Annunciation when she said yes. And because Jesus is born, because she gave Jesus his human nature, this divine person with a human nature and divine nature, because Mary participates in that, she has a role and the devil fears the Blessed Mother. And maybe I already said this in this uh, reading and podcast commentary, but talk to exorcists. The devil fears the mention of the name of the Blessed Mother and the name of Jesus. And Maria of Agreda understands that. And she's going to reflect on that greater tomorrow in our reading as she presents Revelation 12 and an interpretation for us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and you have been listening to the Mystical City of God in a year podcast. This podcast is brought to you with the support of Tan Books. You can acquire the four volumes from Tan Books. I hope you'll tune in tomorrow as we continue our reading. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.